Welcome back to the Music Teachers in International Schools podcast. I'm your host, Chris Kulmer. And as always, this podcast is all about exploring the unique world of international schooling and music education. It's been a busy start to the year. It's kind of hard to say start to the year now. Many teachers, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, have been enjoying the half-term breaks and getting ready for the next part of the year, which is usually that winter concert kind of season. I recently attended the Fabicia Music Teachers Conference. Fabicia is the Federation of British International Schools in Asia, and that was hosted by the team at Tanglin Trust School in Singapore which brought together 100 plus international school music teachers working in British style international schools in the Asian region. And it was a great event. There are a bunch of photos and reflections from that event on the MTIIS Facebook group that you can check out. We also have the AMI Music Educators Conference, which is the Association for Music in International Schools. That's coming up in Zagreb and we'll see many international school music teachers also coming together at that conference, mainly from schools that follow an American style uh, approach to schooling. And that's coming up at the beginning of November. The MTIIS has recently launched our live online world music pedagogy courses that I wanted to mention. They're starting to fill up and this is an incredible immersive course that we started last year it's led by Dr. Jennifer Walden, who's an international school music teacher based in the Dominican Republic. And it's based on the inspiring oral learning approach known as the five dimensions. And these five dimensions are used to approach learning and teaching culturally diverse music. This is the kind of methodology that I've always wanted to have as an international school music educator, a truly fundamental approach to teaching music from around the world in the way that music is taught in those contexts. And the five dimensions helps to explore that and the course is phenomenal. It was amazing last year. We've got a bunch of courses ready to go for 2024. Head to mtiis.co and find the professional learning dropdown for full details. Okay, I think we should get on to the episode. This is our final installment of our Community Insights series. This was a call that I put out at the beginning of the Northern Hemisphere academic year and had some fantastic response. In this one, we hear from three community members working in international schools around the world. Of course, to find out a little bit about what they're up to, to learn from their experience and to build further connections. Today, we have Jeremy Van Sleitman, Emilio Paria, and Samuel Wright, who is a bit of a familiar face around the podcast and MTIS. They're all going to join me on this episode. And as with the previous Community Insights episodes, I'll introduce each individual and ask them three specific questions to help frame the conversation. Again, please enjoy and feel free to share the episode if you feel someone else would value it. Let's get into it. All right, next up, I have Jeremy Van Sleitman, who is the middle school and high school music teacher at Shuko International School, Net Valley Campus in China. And Jeremy and I go back a bit. We had a chat for his podcast uh, last year sometime, which was pretty cool. Uh, and maybe you'll talk about that and guide us through that. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing great. Thanks, Chris. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. And uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for being here. 
Yeah, thanks for inviting me. This is um, so, as you mentioned, our podcast is Our Mind on Music, uh, which can be found in all the places that podcasts are found. And yeah, we have a great chat about your um, your history growing up with music and also beginning with uh, beginner orchestra and MTIIS. So, yeah. Cool. And let's keep exploring this a little bit. Our mind on music. What's the kind of premise of the podcast? What are you guys trying to do with the podcast? Really, it's basically we just say we talk about everything music. So it's not one genre of music. It's not necessarily only musicians. We also talk to music teachers. Uh, one of our podcasts was with our, our theory of knowledge teacher. Um, so our TOK teacher was talking about AI in music and what his thoughts were on that. I interviewed Kirby Ferguson, who did Everything is a Remix. It's a great documentary, and this is not a conspiracy theory. So it, it kind of goes anything related to music, whether it's by genre, by timeline, or just, you know, I'm having a chat with somebody about something really cool about music, and I say, hey, would you talk to me on my podcast about that? And they, if they say yes, that's what we do. <laughs> Sounds great. So that's called Our Mind on Music and it's kind of everywhere. And I love that we've got this network of international school music teachers and people doing podcasts and cool things to connect. So, um, yeah, really appreciate you doing what you're doing. It's great. Fantastic. Thank you. All right. We're going to launch into a few questions. And the first one I'd love to know is what are you looking forward to most about the 2023-24 academic year as an international school music teacher? One of the biggest things this year is returning to actually being able to travel with with the students, um, being able to connect with other schools on other campuses or even in other countries. So we're a member of the AMI, A-M-I-S, uh, what does that stand for? Association for Music and International Schools. And we're looking at going, possibly going to Korea in February with some students. We have an organization here in Shenzhen called the International School Music, Art, and Drama Shenzhen, which comes up to IMADS. And we'll be able to do some things with four or five other schools where we can meet up. We started this at the end of last school year. We had five schools together. We had 150 students on a stage playing Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones, among other things. It's really cool. I'm talking harps and some traditional Chinese instruments mixed in with the, the strings and the brass. It's fantastic. I posted that on, on my YouTube channel, actually, the Jeremy Van Sleitman on YouTube. At any rate, that's what I'm looking forward to, is being able to take this that I do in this classroom and connect with other teachers, other schools, and really be able to put the kids in a situation where, where they're really trying to push their their boundaries a little bit and they're, you know, step out of their comfort zone a bit, which really is what makes them better musicians, you know? Sounds great. And just to recap that acronym, what was it? IMADS? Yeah, IMADS. Can you just say, expand the acronym for us one more time? Yeah, so the I is international. And then uh, music, art, drama, Shenzhen, which is S-Z. Got yeah. All right, we'll we'll keep an eye out for that. And is that something that other schools in the area could connect up with and get involved in? Absolutely, yeah. Um, that's the whole concept, actually, is that it's currently five schools that work together. And then we would love to have, you know, bigger and bigger. 
which is really the idea of us being members of AMI. And so IMADS is like sort of a great smaller step into that. And then AMI is a bigger sort of iteration of that. Uh, so th those are the things I'm really looking forward to this year. What about new ideas? What's one new idea that you plan to implement in your teaching in the upcoming academic year? Yeah, I mean, you and I chatted a little bit about this. Our, our program here at the school on the Net Valley campus has changed this year. Our timetable has changed in the way that we organize the classes. So you know how that is. Sometimes the, the challenges, you know, you, you try to see them as opportunities, right? So that's the way I'm seeing this. I have previously, I was the choir director and I taught strings. And then additionally, I would add in drums or guitar, things like that, because they made sense for that moment. Whereas now that's really the program is that I have everything all together. So I'm literally teaching a couple of trumpet players, a euphonium, saxophone, flutes, one side of the, the group. And then on the other side, I have my violin, viola, cello, some guitars, including an electric bass, pianos, drums, and then the singers. So I, I guess a new idea is like that, the fact that that's all together. Some people are listening to this as teachers saying, what are you, <laughs> you're crazy. What are you talking about? And some people are saying, I do that. I don't know. What I do know is that it, it's got really exciting potential. And so as long as I can manage my, my students and organize my time well, I can give them the fundamentals that they need so that when they go on the stage at that point where we're ready to perform in front of mom and dad and 400 of your closest friends, you know, they're going to sound really amazing more so than they would have without those new elements to the class. So I'm trying to frame it in my mind that way to be excited about the potential. And I think there is something exciting about breaking down maybe some of those traditions of separate entities and throwing everyone together and kind of seeing what happens. And I don't know if it's inclusivity is the right word to use in this instance, but it's pretty cool when you get everyone together and sort of open the door to, like you said, the bass guitars in, the singers are in, harps and other instruments that, yeah, might be involved in a string ensemble or might be involved in a full school orchestra, but kind of everyone's together. And to see that happen is pretty exciting. I'm lucky that I have another teacher here on the campus, uh, Jennifer Tang. Tang probably saying that wrong. Sorry, Jennifer. <laughs> Jennifer is, she's really great with flute, clarinet, those, those instruments. She plays the recorder and like really amazing. So she's also supporting in terms of like what she's doing in her classroom. She and I are going to have a couple of groups who are going to work together. So really, I think part of the answer to this is as much as I can arrange the parts, there are going to be moments where I will need support. You know, I can't have two trumpet players sitting there for, I don't know, half an hour waiting for me to come to them because they don't have a clue what to do. Like that is just not on, you know? So there will be moments where I'll need Jennifer's help and maybe even looking at bringing other people who can support in certain key moments of the process in order to make it efficient, but also enjoyable for the students, you know? Yeah. It'd be cool to hear how it goes as the year progresses. Yeah. I just, I just finished arranging the Avengers theme song from the movie for uh it's going to be a huge group and it's all of those instruments i just mentioned <laughs> so so, good. so that's going to be a lot of fun and i love doing that too i love i love doing the arranging and hearing it in my head 
then hearing it on the computer and then hearing it, you know, out there on a stage. It's, I love that feeling. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Jeremy, I want to jump to my favorite question and uh, give it a crack. It is what makes a good international school music teacher? Hmm. Wow. See, I've been asked so many times what makes a good international school, what makes a good program. I think this might be the first time I've been specifically asked about the teacher. I guess one of the things that I've always tried to maintain in the 20 the years that I've been teaching now. <laughs> I'm did teaching you, did for you a long just time. cut out? I don't know what happened then. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. If, if I didn't, please make sure that it does cut out. <laughs> yeah, I've always tried to keep open-minded. You know, I actually, as a music teacher, I have a history in admin and I have an, I hold an MBA. And one of the things when we were studying that I, it's it's become cliche now, but the SWOT analysis kind of thing, you know, it's, you see your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and, and threats, right? And I try to see the weaknesses or or maybe better wording would be challenges as opportunities, you know? So I came into this year looking at the timetable and saying, whoa, what? Oh my goodness. You know, like it took me a weekend to start to want to wrap my head around it because it's it's a big change. It's It's huge. And so since then, and of course, there's the energy that you get from having the students in the classroom as opposed to sitting there on orientation week with an empty classroom looking at a computer screen. So to answer your question, I think feeding off that energy of the students' excitement about learning and trying to turn the challenges into opportunities. Like when I see a student pick up the violin for the first time and they have no idea even how to hold it. Like, I don't know how much you played violin, but like you shove your elbow this way yeah. and it's uncomfortable and you have a shoulder thing and it's like, and all of that, the students just roll with it. They, they don't see it like, uh, forget it. I'm done. Mm. They see it like, okay, what do I do next? What's the next step? You know, most times, and our job is to make sure that when they don't know what the next step is or when they're not ready to take the next step, we, we help them along. And I'm trying to be a student in that way trying to see the the opportunities within the challenges. Would you relate any of what you just said specifically? And if this question's a dead end, forgive me, but would you relate any of what you've just said to the international school context? Absolutely. Yes. Because, okay, so like if I were teaching in Ontario right now, and I'm sure there are schools that, that work well outside of what I'm about to say, but in a lot of ways, you're very much steered by the school curriculum in, in a specific way that tells you not just like you need to learn these skills, but you're going to play Mozart on this day and you're going to play whatever piece on this day. Or you can choose from these three, you know, whereas right now when I come in, the students in my classes choose the, the repertoire. And they can choose once we set ground rules about appropriate language and those types of things. Once we set those ground rules, they can choose anything. And I encourage them to consider their home language, their home culture, you know. So like if they come and say, we're going to play Arirang, but the Red Devils version from the 2002 World Cup. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to it. It's so cool. Do you know, you know, the traditional Korean song Arirang? Yeah, yeah, I do. The Red Devils are the Korean soccer team, you might say football team. Back in the early 2000s, the Korean national team 
played a version or sorry, not they played, but they um, had somebody record a version of Arirang that had bass and drums. And it was like very energetic, like mm. football stadium cheering kind of energy, you know? So my students said, oh, that was super cool. Can we do that? And then I see one student on the side go, no, we can't do that. That's that's not, you know, what you do at an international school. I was like, that's totally what we do in an international school. Yes. And if you guys are excited about doing that, then that's what we're doing. So, yeah, I, I would totally apply what I said about being flexible, about finding opportunities in the challenges. If you're willing to try and I don't know. I mean, not so long ago, we learned a group of my students and I learned a Japanese song together. Nobody, including me, can speak any Japanese. So we learned the words phonetically and we learned about the difference in the scale and those types of things. Yes, I would apply that. Not to say that those things are not important in a national school. Like if I were teaching in Ontario, I'd want to, I want to think that I would be that same. I'd have that same frame of mind. But it becomes, I think, it comes into clear focus when you're in an international school and you've got 60 nationalities in the school or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think, yeah, I would apply that specifically to international schools, not because it's exclusive to international schools, but because it's in, I think, finer focus with the nature of the student body and, and staff that we have. Yeah, got you. Jeremy, I, as I said before, I'm really excited to hear where this year goes for you, this big challenge of a year ahead, as you've put it. Um, and I love that, yeah, using the SWOT analysis idea makes sense, especially in your context, like flipping the flipping the challenges into opportunities. And um, it sounds like you've got some really cool stuff that's, you know, that's going to play out this year. So thanks for taking us there. Is there anything you wanted to share? Any final thoughts before we wrap up? You just sort of fed into my mind the idea you said, you know, you're looking forward to hearing how it goes kind of thing. And just that, I'd love to follow up with you to at some point see how this went. But also like from my side, not just as a teacher, but from the guy who runs a podcast as well, I'd love to follow up with you as well. You know, like how is it going with Beginner Orchestra, the um, the things that you guys are launching, the, you know, the app is super exciting. I think so. I'd I'd love to follow up with you from the flipping the the seats a little bit to ask you the questions about how it's going with that. And yeah, I'd really look forward to the opportunity to follow up and see if what I'm saying today, in six or seven months, if I look back and say, "Wow, I really had to tweak that," you know, <laughs> or yeah. what did I have to do to make that a reality? Yeah. Well, let's let's plan a mutual follow up. <laughs> it sounds great. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that sounds great. And just super briefly for those who are wondering, Beginner Orchestra is is this repertoire of pieces that kind of align a little bit, I guess, with what you're saying, like throw everyone in a room and uh, and see what happens kind of approach. And it's a group of us that have, yeah, essentially this this platform selling curated pieces for this context. So yeah, we can drop something in the show notes about that if anyone's interested. And I think Jeremy, you're working, we've had a bunch of people involved in this, but we're doing like an EDM and orchestra project. So you're going to have a go at that, I think. Yes. Yeah. Well, now that I know what my classes look like, I was lucky enough after you and I spoke uh, last year, you you offered to provide us with one of the arrangements from Beginner Orchestra. We did the the blues one. I can't remember. Yeah, Big Time Blues. I think you did. Yeah, Big Time Blues. That's it. Yeah, the kids loved it. It was it was great, and you know, it was very much what you just said. Like 
you provided uh, parts for more instruments than I would have thought of at that moment, you know, and then I could just pick and choose from, from the arrangement for that. So, yeah, I mean, I think in this sort of format, I might be coming back to you at some point <laughs> um, for some arrangements as well, because it's, it's a really wide range. And you guys, instead of me sitting down and spending my weekend arranging parts for all of these different things, making sure that I put them in the correct key signature and I've used flats instead of sharps, et cetera. I could just say, Hey there, here, here's the song we're doing, or, or we'd like to look at this type of song. So not to go on too much of a tangent, but uh, I really enjoyed doing that with the students. And I think it's a great opportunity for teachers who might be in the same situation as I am, where you might be able to arrange, but you might not want to spend all the time to arrange all the groups that you have to teach um, to have somebody like yourselves that I can say, could you arrange this song or could, you have a song that has this, this arrangement or this set of instruments? Yeah, cool. Jeremy, that was, that was so fun. Let's book in that mutual catch up. I don't know. Let's let's give it a few months and see how we go. But I'm looking forward to it already. Thanks for your time and all the best for the year ahead. Great. Thanks very much. And I look forward to talking to you again. Okay. Next up, we have Emilio Parilla, who is the MYP music teacher at the International School of Delft in the Netherlands. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to catching up with Emilio and learning a bit more about him. So thanks for joining me. Thank you for, for inviting me, Chris. Thank you. And it's, it's kind of fun before we hit record on this. Um, this is the fun part of working in a global community. We realize the, uh, the time difference. We, we sort of had some fun with the time difference. What time is it for you right now? <laughs> it's, now it's uh, 12 a.m. here, but it's, it's okay. It's summer, so it's still okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, let, let's see what happens. We'll see how long we can stay awake for. This should be good. Cool. <laughs> So I'd love to ask you, what are you looking forward to most about the 2023-2024 academic year as an international school music teacher? First, I'm looking for learn <laughs> about this uh, IB curriculum that I'm going to start because my experience before was in American school. Uh, so it's a little bit different curriculum that I'm having this year. But uh, right now, like from two years ago, I'm looking to, to use the technology in such a way that uh, is more connected with the uh, acoustic music, let's say, or with the more human experience with the music, let's say. You know? and, and I'm looking for that this year. I, I want to, to try to implement the technology in in more acoustic way. I don't know if it's more live. It's not, I don't want to see the kids in front of the computer and just use different uh, loops that uh, they don't really feel. I want that they are really using the technology like uh, expressing themselves really like another instrument. So this is what I'm looking for this year. That sounds mm. really cool. I'm exploring this world a bit as well. Do you have an example of a lesson or an idea that you're going to try and implement with this acoustic style use of technology well i'm jazz musician is what i i i study i study jazz actually for me the improvisation is really a, a big part in my lesson the, because i use the improvisation to to improve and to work the creativity of the kids that for me is i think one of the more important thing in my lesson 
I try to use the technology to, to teach them to improvise or, or to improvise with them. So, for example, to, uh, the last year I started a project that uh, is uh, using a software that I create with a develop, uh, developer, developer software, mm -hmm. uh, video game guy. Um, basically, we can control the images in the video game with the sound of the instrument. So it's like a 3D video game. It's really realistic. It's like a 3D and it's under the water. And then there are some fishes and some octopus. And basically with an acoustic instrument, I can control the, the fish. I can go up or down. I can make the fish bigger or change the color of the fish or the moment. Or... So I used this one the last year. It was really too much energy I spent, and now I want to to try to to use this one and, and try to to investigate about more about how I can use this one with the kids. Mm. But it was working really good because it's like connecting the visual art with the music in a different way. You know, normally yeah. we connect visual art like uh, we play what we see, but now it's different. It's we see what we play, so it's cool. It's, it's so I'm I'm going to use that. Mm. We've been connecting a little bit online and I saw some clips of this technology and acoustic instruments in action. Would you be okay if we shared that clip with the community in the show notes of the podcast? Yeah, of course. It would be great. Yeah. Great. So just everyone then can maybe visualize even more what you've just described. And um, I'd love to hear how that goes as you try and bring that into the classroom and explore all the ways you can use it. It sounds really exciting. Maybe this is your answer to the next question done already, but I'll go there anyway. Do you have a new idea? Because maybe that's an, an idea you've already sort of been playing with anyway, but do you have another new idea or a new idea that you plan to implement in your teaching this academic year? I want to find connections with the free improvisation and the storytelling is something also I want to do a part of the use that technology that of course is a good tools. But uh, I would like to experiment with the kids about the storytelling and how to connect the stories through the music and through the free improvisation. So because I saw that it's working really well, because in the, in the beginning, it's like normally when we teach improvisation or everybody teach improvisation, you normally use or pentatonic scales or, or blues scale, no? this the more common thing, but uh, I realized that the kids really find really um, easy to to jump into the, the, the improvisation when uh, you can use extended techniques, um, when you can tell a story through sounds, you know, no, no any rules, because then in that way you can create a, they can create their own language and they don't need any technical skill or any theoretical skill, you know, it's just direct, the expression. So yeah, I want to look for that, that connection between storytelling and, and free improvisation. Hmm. I'd love to ask you my question that I tend to ask lots of people because there's many ways it could be answered, I think. What do you think, in your experience and understanding, makes a good international school music teacher? Mm. It's difficult for me because uh, it, when, when you say international music teacher, already for me, I, I ask myself, is different be an international educator 
data educator is is something that really is different. Point is, I don't have so much experience as like a teacher in inter educator in international school. I have many experience as an educator, but no in this uh, area like uh, international schools. And after these uh, four years, that is uh, actually what I, I I was in this environment of international schools. I I don't see really much different between an international educator or a just educator, no, a music teacher. Anyway, I will never uh, decide what make you a good teacher because I'm still looking for that. And and I guess every class every year is different. So if I say a good teacher will be this, maybe next year doesn't work because the kids are in another, you know, so it will be difficult for me. But I can tell you something. Every time that I enjoy in the class, I can see that they are enjoying and they are getting better what I try to, to, to teach. So I will say for me, make me a good teacher, uh, enjoy and feel that I'm creating things in class. It's, it's like the somehow be a teacher and an artist is something that should be together, you know? And, and it's like a kind of performance when you are teaching, no? And mm. it's the same when you are in, on the stage and you feel the audience is giving you this energy positive because you are expressing something to them. I have the same feeling when I teach it. So when I'm in the class and I feel this energy, I feel that probably, or I hope, I'm doing well, you know, as a teacher. Mm. So yeah, I think this is my answer. <laughs> I don't know if uh, if it was uh, clear. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate you going there. And it's, it's not an easy question. And I think that's why I love it. And uh, hopefully the audience enjoys these diverse answers because i hope you know hope it's challenging for everyone and gets us to think gets us to think in diverse ways and different contexts so i really appreciate you going there and uh yeah i i really appreciate it and enjoyed your answer so nice emilio thanks so much for joining me i really appreciate it and again with the time difference especially so did you have anything else you wanted to share any thoughts comments before we finish up no not really i'm super happy to meet you in life i follow many things that you do and it's great and and now i'm happy to finally meet you so thank you again <laughs> it's a pleasure and yeah hopefully we'll catch up at some point in the netherlands or somewhere else around the world at a pd event or something that's going on but uh Again, thank you and all the best for the year ahead. And if anyone wants to catch up with you, I guess LinkedIn's probably a good place to find you. Yeah, of course. Awesome. And uh, yeah, we'll drop some stuff in the show notes as well, especially around the acoustic technology concepts that you uh, shared with us. So thank you again. And yeah, we'll catch up soon. Super. Okay. Bye, Chris. All right, next up, we have a good buddy of mine and someone who's been involved with MTIS last academic year, Samuel Wright. He is the MYP and DP subject coordinator for music, bit of a mouthful, at the International School of The Hague in the Netherlands. Samuel, how are you doing? Good morning. I'm good. Yeah. It's great to have you with me. We've just been having a bit of a chat about what's been going on in the summer, which we might come to in a sec, but... um. 
Tell me, the first question I've been asking everyone is, what are you looking forward to most about the 2023-24 academic year as an international school music teacher? There's almost like, as you said, MYP and DP subject coordinates, almost like there's too much to get mm. my head around. But it's really fun because I think for me, the most exciting thing is I've been at the International School of The Hague now. Uh, this will be coming up to my uh, fifth year, fourth year, fifth year. You know how the I'm still getting used to as an Australian starting the school year in August, September. Yep. <laughs> um, the academic year, right? The yeah. academic year. To have now established a curriculum from seven to year 13, we've been working with this, we've been building knowledge and skills, um, composition, um, performance. I think for me now, the most exciting thing is to go back. I'm going to, with a new colleague, uh, revise all of the units and actually plot the journey from year seven all the way through to year 13. And hopefully, you know, input some new trips, some new exciting things in there, but just to really revitalize what we've done and make it more exciting. So just something off my head is to add some more competitions in there. So I've been making some connections outside for composition competitions to actually supply those from year nine all the way through to year 13, just to give them a chance to participate and things like Trinity exams to actually have that as part of our MYP assessment all the way and backward mapped for DP so that kids can say, yeah, you know what, I've been getting these marks for Trinity exams, I'm going to do well in DP. So a lot of it is going to be forward and backward mapping. Yep. I feel like the Cheshire cat, he went that way. <laughs> but it will be exciting to actually see that and have the kids recognize it this year. Yeah. And this is one of the advantages of a bit of tenure, right? Having five years in a school where you can really see things be embedded and built. Yeah, it's been interesting the last four, three to four years to see the kids who were there first. They get to year 12, year 13, the DP music, and they go, oh, we didn't learn that back then because they find their brothers or sisters are doing, I don't know, computer game music or Turkish music or whatever. And I say, oh yeah, that's what we've established as the new curriculum. And then those kids come up to year 10 and we're doing um, songwriting for musicals. And all of a sudden their works are far better than the previous years, simply because they've had scaffolded rhythmic or harmonic or melodic work. So when they hit that unit, they kind of have the skills and process to go, oh, I can handle this. And then off we go. Mm. There's a lot of little things that I'm going to be injecting, like how to use contact on logic much earlier on because the kids have used logic already. Scoring ideas in Sibelius, we normally kept to diploma, but we've pushed that back to year 10 and year 11. Songwriting used to be just a 10 and year 11 thing, and we've pushed that back now to year nine and year eight. So it's really interesting to see that the skills that we used to assume were only higher level have now been pushed backwards, pushed backwards. And that's allowed us, we have to do more work, but it's allowed us to find new experiences for the older kids and they're rising to meet them, which is really cool. 
And just a definition of terms here, just for those who might not know what it is, can you just explain what contact is? Uh, so there's DAWs, D-A-W, Digital Audio Workstation called Logic or Ableton or uh, Reaper, which is free or anything like this. But inside those, you can open instrument plugins, virtual instruments. And one of the main companies that provides these is called Contact. And that's spelt with a K, K-O-N-T-A-K-T, right? K-O-N-T-A-K-T, yeah. <laughs> Did I add an extra letter? Anyway, <laughs> yes. You can have things like a choir that was recorded in the desert, or you can have a hurdy-gurdy put through distortion pedals. And the kids can obviously just write in MuseScore or... Um, NoteFlight or Sibelius, just your notation software, but then you can put this into your software and all of a sudden your flute line becomes hurdy-gurdy with distortion pedal. And it's another way of taking the idea or the imagination the student has and putting it in a real world context. But that, that's taken a couple of years to, to establish and implement. You've kind of answered this already, but Let's go there anyway. Is there one particular new idea that you plan to implement in your teaching this academic year? Yes, um, it's a little bit different. Just last year, I'm really happy about this. I'm now a concert-based inquiry certified trainer. Yes, congrats. Which is a huge amount of work and I'm really glad I did it. And now I get to embark on this, uh, this journey. So the one thing I really want to do um, starting with diploma classes, is craft units that focus more on the question making from my end. And when the students supply their answers, learn their answers, research their answers, produce their answers, they lead to them forming their own conceptual understandings of that topic or of that material or stimulus. So a lot of my DP teaching from now will actually be crafted around that approach so that the students will come out the other end having formed five to nine of their own understandings per area of inquiry. And that will actually become, we've actually tested this a little bit in the last academic year, they'll actually have their own understandings at the top of each of their written reports, such as, I understand that music with technology can do this. I understand that theatrical music works in this way or uses these techniques and devices, and that will form their written rationale and process. Mm. Whereas before they just would dive straight into, I chose this piece, I did this. Now they're going to be telling the examiners or telling me, the teacher, this is what I actually understand. This is what I can do. And for me, that's going to be really exciting. Can you give the listeners just a super quick outline of this course that you completed? You called it concept-based inquiry, inquiry, right? What was it like? How long was it? And how did you do the course? It was online? Yeah, it was all online. So you go to Professional Learning International and Rachel French and Tiffany Brown were two of the main organizers, presenters, they're the people that um, I first had contact with. They're the ones that run this course. And through that, you meet a, uh, 
it's I'll use a silly analogy it's like the power ranges of um, <laughs> professional learning and you meet um, people like Jessica and Nita and all these people who have specialties in subject areas that are not your own so this course uh, concept-based inquiry is um, you would have known uh, books by Lynn Erickson and Lois Lanning and that's a continuation of this and what we're actually doing is learning how to craft both questions and units to form generalizations that allows students to it's called synergistic thinking it allows students to arrive at their own understandings form their own understandings from let's say um, a case study that you provide so for example if i'm listening to a brazilian piece with the kids and part of this piece is i'm doing this on the fly here so i'm in <laughs> holiday mode let's say part of this piece is i want to break down the rhythmical components instead of just going all right kids we're breaking down the rhythmical components i could actually craft an entire series of questions around what is rhythm or how does rhythm combine and complement each other so i may not even use the piece first i may actually ask the kids as a group to collectively form an understanding on rhythm. Then I could move to them actually, let's say we could have one group working on complementary rhythms. So how you can subdivide, how you can group that type of thing. And then I could have another group working on ostinato patterns. Sneakily, I know they're gonna to work together later, but I let the kids do that, yeah. And then I can bring in the piece. And by doing just those two activities with the students, not only have they formed conceptual understandings around what is rhythm, what are different types of rhythms, how do rhythms complement each other, how are ostinatos formed. When I give them that stimulus piece, instantly they're drawing on all of that knowledge that we've been working on together, which means the learning is deeper, richer and more profound. It also provides a much more stable foundation for them to jump off and compose, create, perform. And that's without even writing music or playing music yet. We've only just been, um, I call them treasure hunts. We've only just been searching and discovering. So this, it's a course that I signed up for. You can go to professionallearning.com and you can connect with Rachel French and you can sign up to a whole host of free masterclasses. You can sign up to a whole host of collaborative ventures. There is an introduction course that your school can supply or support you in called Concept-Based Inquiry and Action. That's what my school at the International School of The Hague did first. That was sort of like an introductory course that you do on Zoom uh, once a week with educators all around the world and you learn together. That was really cool. And that's sort of the foundations of Concept-Based Inquiry. Then I signed up for the trainer certificate. Mm. That was a year long process. So every Saturday there was a two hour Zoom call and I'd be on that call and there'd be, um, again, I'll call them the power rangers of um, concept-based inquiry. <laughs> and you'll learn uh, from a science perspective. You'll learn from a mathematics perspective. You'll learn from a early years or a primary or a secondary perspective. And you're actually going through units where kids have formed their own generalizations or understandings. You'll go through units where teachers have 
already formed the questions, formed the learning activities. So you're actually getting an understanding of education as a whole, not just music. Mm. And then I get a chance to talk to lovely friends, B from France, or all the names are going through my head right now, <laughs> people from all around the world. And you get to ask questions. How do you see this? What do you do in your classroom? So it was both a learning and collaborative experience that went for the whole year. Then I did a series of units of my own. I did a series of tests. So you do actually get tested. It's what is your knowledge on this topic and what have you uh, learned about coaching? Because that was a huge aspect. You actually coach your colleagues mm. on writing generalizations or questions or developing units. So at the end of it, I feel quite confident I can walk into school and coach on mathematics and coach on geography. Not that I'm the expert in the subject, but I can support the teacher in crafting questions to help student understanding. It's pretty powerful. Sounds really, really solid. We'll put links to all the things you've just said in the show notes for people if they want to check out the course or yeah, elements of it. That was that was really cool. Thanks for taking us through that. I can um, just suggest. Go on. If some people are interested. And if you're listening, Samuel's just holding up a book and yeah, tell us about it. So this is concept based curriculum and instruction for the thinking classroom by Lynn Erickson, Lois Lanning and Rachel French. This book in itself, if you just get onto Kindle or buy it through Amazon, this would be a great introduction for what we would call knowledge uh, based subjects. So we're talking like math, engineering, um, sciences. But if you're looking at a more process based like music, language arts, theater, that type of thing, even literacy, there's one called concept based literacy lessons by Lois Lanning and Tiffany Brown. And this is to help students understand what they get out of lessons and transfer that learning to other areas. So the two books, concept based literacy lessons and concept based curriculum and instruction. You probably have these in your school library or if your school has a professional learning area. So I recommend. Thanks, Samuel. Really good. And I'm excited to hear how that all goes this year. Lots to implement. I have wanted to ask you this question for ages. And for those who have been involved with MTIS stuff a little, you will have seen Samuel's episode that we recorded quite early on in the, the life of the podcast. And he's also been on some of our conversations where we talked quite intensely about music technology and IBDP. Um, so he's a bit of a bit of a regular, but we haven't asked you the big question, which I like to ask a lot of people, which is, what do you think, in your opinion, experience, context, what do you think makes a good international school music teacher? Ooh. The, the, the good part is the tricky part. <laughs> um, because that's, that's really subjective. Well, in my notes, just so everyone can peek into my brain here, it's always in inverted commas, the word good, you know, like oh, okay. when I write okay. it, because that you're 100% right. Maybe there's some subjectivity there that should be explored. So continue. What makes a good international school teacher? Music teacher, even. Oh, music teacher. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. I'll focus on the music teacher. Uh -huh. 
if I was to go by what my students say, they have a joke about me. They call me the, the in Harry Potter, you've got the, the Quidditch and there's that little ball that they, they try and catch. Mm -hmm. um, the golden snitch. The snitch. Yeah. Okay. So my students have this joke about me. They say, I'm like the snitch from Harry Potter. I'm always there and they can always see me. I'm always visible and I'm always involved. But when they come looking for me, <laughs> they can never find me <laughs> because most of the time I'm off helping another subject or a class or um, a performance or something like this. I think music education requires busyness. And I don't mean busyness as in always working. I mean, as in always active. There's something about our jobs where we are supportive, we are helpful. Um, the kids can rely upon us. They know we're there both as support, but as knowledgeable educator. So they can ask us questions. They know we'll be sensitive and supportive and work with them. But what makes a good music educator, I would probably say is someone who models what it means. It's, I mean, it's, it's cliche, what it means to be a, a lifelong learner, a teacher who models the learning that the student is not aware that they need yet. Hmm. So for example, when I went to school, there was no such thing as uploading to YouTube to show your skill in film scoring. When I went to school, there was, I think GarageBand was invented like 2004. <laughs> there was no recording of your guitar or your instrument and making an album. Like you had to go into your garage and get your mates together and I don't know, cassette tape or something. So I think a good music teacher now is aware of what's coming of the trends that they've been through and they're conscious that the students they're teaching yeah you need to play your instrument their skills there's classroom things we need to do but they're also aware of the learning that students will need to be aware of for what's next for what's coming after that's 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 my take on it i'm gonna let that percolate bit of a mic drop i think we'll just sort of leave it there with a ponder <laughs> There's lots there. I think you've left it quite open too in your response, mm -hmm. but, um, hmm, cool. Okay. Samuel, thanks for that. And thanks for joining me and for attacking these three questions. Is there anything else you want to share, you know, think out loud ideas, thoughts, uh, before we wrap up? There's so much coming. There's so much happening. I would just encourage everyone to connect with MTIS and, um, connect with me and continue these conversations. So if you like that idea of what I think a good music educator in the international world is, I'd like to hear your thoughts and maybe throw some backwards and forwards. That'd be really cool. Mm. Um, but also just to keep sharing stuff because there's a nice community of us on LinkedIn. There's a nice community of people on Facebook and just keep sharing different things backwards and forward. Yeah. Thanks so much, Samuel, and all the best for the year ahead. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Music Teachers in International Schools podcast. Listen to other episodes by visiting mtiis.com or learn more about our community on Facebook 
by simply searching for music teachers in international schools. If you know someone who you think I should get on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at chriskulma.com, C-H-R-I-S-K-O-E-L-M-A.com. See you next time.